0: John 1, 34. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? come, he replied, and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw that Nathanael was approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. Here ends our reading. There's a response of thankfulness is printed for you on your bulletin or up here on the screen, the word of the Lord. Thanks, be to God. Thanks indeed. Let's pray. God inspired the gospel of John to reassure. Um, he, he wrote it so that uh, Jews who had believed, John's writing probably, it's agreed by most somewhere around AD 90. Uh, so the cross is 60 years in the rearview mirror. John is the last of the apostles living. And the evidence through the book and what the early church said about the book was that John was writing to Jewish believers in Jesus. And so they had come to believe what John said in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. What John said his purpose for the book was that they believe that Jesus is the Christ, which means the anointed one or the king. son of god another synonym for the king but also second person of the trinity and that by believing these things they would have life in his name and and, and it had great cost for them as jewish people not to go to the temple in jerusalem anymore uh, not to see things as they had expected to see them uh, but to declare that jesus was their king and that there would be uh not a king in this age anymore who would reign from physical jerusalem but that there was a king who would reign over jews and gentiles from the heavenly jerusalem instead Uh, that there was a king who had provided a sacrifice for them that was not in the jerusalem temple but a once for all sacrifice that uh, they had read about in the book of hebrews so, God inspired the Gospel of John to reassure his people who were a persecuted religious minority. Sound familiar? That's who we are. That's who the church is. We are a persecuted religious minority. Even in a nation with a, a Christian heritage where the, the our founders either were uh, believers or had were in church every week, except for maybe Ben Franklin. <laughs> uh, that, that these folks um, came from this background of what was true in the world. But even with that, if you're a true believer in Jesus and doing things based on what the scriptures say, uh, that will differ than what the world is doing and what the world is declaring to be true. And if you live according to that and speak according to that, you will be persecuted. Right, Bill? <laughs> uh, for, for that and you will suffer consequences uh, for this um, so we're this persecuted religious minority uh, that Jesus for whom they were persecuted was indeed the king that's your blank there if you'd like to fill out blanks in an outline uh, you're welcome to uh, if you want to just listen that's fine too whichever way you take things in better uh, that's, that's fine by me but the, John John writes this gospel uh, to these people, this religious persecuted minority, um, and they had believed that Jesus was the king, the Christ, the son of God. they okay, all synonyms there. Um, the Christ is the Greek word for the anointed one. The Messiah is the Hebrew word for the anointed one. What did people mean when they said the anointed one? It was the king. Um, and so... Uh, we see this in Nathaniel's declaration in, in uh, verse 49. You're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And this is what John wanted us to see. Um, so uh, Jesus was indeed the king, the Christ, the son of God. He that, that God, the father had sent for them to give them eternal life. So I'm going to read that whole sentence again for you. Blank filler inners so you can get all those things so god inspired the gospel of john to reassure his people who were a persecuted religious minority that jesus for whom they were being persecuted was indeed the king the christ the son of god whom he had sent he had sent for them to give them eternal life okay and that's all contained very concisely in in chapter 20 verse 31 okay Uh, and Now there's this encouragement to us from these these verses here. Uh, John uh, says to us, in addition to what we talked about last week and showing us layer upon layer upon layer, that Jesus was this king. Now he shows us this, that despite the naysayers, that's your blank there, despite the naysayers and the persecution you may face for doing so, despite the naysayers and the persecution you may face for doing so, invite... Invite others to see Jesus as their king. That's what John says in chapter 20, verse 31, that gets you eternal life. If you're one of those people who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the king, the son of God, by that belief, you will have life. And so this encouragement here that we see in chapter one person after person after person is this to invite to invite others to see jesus as their king too that's what they go out and proclaim one person after another after another invites those who don't know jesus yet to see jesus as their king So look at verse 36. Look down in your Bibles, verse 36. John the Baptist invites Andrew and John. Those are the two disciples who are disciples of John the Baptist, Andrew and John are. Uh, And he invites them to look at Jesus. He says, look to them, to Andrew and John. He says, look, the Lamb of God. He just said to them a few verses earlier that this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we've talked about that in the past. This is a synonym for the king. The king was the lamb, like a lamb led to the slaughter who was punished for his people's sins like Jehoiachin had been in the Old Testament, carrying the sins of his people off into exile. And this is who Jesus was, and this is who Jesus was for us, one who bore our sins and went into the exile of death so that we would be saved. So John the Baptist makes this invitation. He says to his disciples, don't follow me. Don't look at me. We'll see this more in the end of John 3. Don't look at me. Look at him. That's an invitation. And Andrew and John take this invitation, don't they? They go and follow Jesus and they scurry, you know, behind him. And they say, where are you staying? Now look at verse 39. Jesus also makes an invitation. So John invites his disciples to look at Jesus. Jesus also makes an invitation. Not to look at John the Baptist, but to look at him. (laughs) I invite you to look at me. Jesus invites Andrew and John to come and see. And they stay with him for a day. It's an invitation to come and see Jesus. Verses 41 and 42. Andrew, having been invited by Jesus to come and see, having been uh, invited by John the Baptist to go and see Jesus and to follow after him now, Andrew goes and finds his brother, Simon Peter. And he says to Simon Simon Peter, um, he expresses his own faith in Jesus. He brings him to Jesus. Um, He says, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. What we see in, in verse 41 and 42 there. And then another invitation comes up. So we've got Andrew inviting Simon Peter. Then we've got Jesus goes up to Bethsaida up in Galilee and he sees Philip and he makes an invitation to Philip and he says to Philip there, verse 43, follow me. That's a come and see. It's a synonym. Follow me. Not a lot of content there. Follow me. Come, just follow me. Then you'll come, you'll see a bunch of stuff. Uh, and then verses 45 and 46, Philip expresses his own faith and says to Nathaniel, uh, who expresses his doubt, <laughs> you see that, see that there? He says, come and see. Verse 46, uh, I mentioned to you last week, the commentators on this passage are brutal toward Philip. They say Philip's kind of a bumbling idiot. You know, if you're going to say, you know, that Jesus is all that, don't say that he's from nazareth (laughs) because the king comes from bethlehem right philip just confused nathaniel because nathaniel said how how could you you know uh, how could there be this person about whom moses wrote in deuteronomy 17 the king um about who the prophets spoke the prophets spoke about the the son of david the Descendant of David would rise up and be king again for God's people after the exile to Babylon. How can you say that this would be somebody from Nazareth? Because that person must come from Bethlehem because he must be a descendant of David, according to 2 Samuel 7 and First Chronicles 17. Uh, but despite this, maybe if Philip has kind of blundered in the way he presented Jesus as Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph... He says, well, okay, whatever. Come and see. <laughs> Come and see. He, he, he resorts to this, to this invitation. And you can even see here another invitation by Jesus here at the very end of what we read this morning. Verse 50. Jesus said, you believe because I told you, uh, uh, told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see. See, this is an invitation. You shall see greater things uh, than that. You shall see greater things than that. Um, it, it's very likely that Nathaniel and Bartholomew, the disciple, are the same person. That's, a, that's been a discussion among believing people uh, through time. And if you're interested in that discussion, I can send you stuff that's not anything heretical or anything like that. But Nathaniel's paired with Philip in the other Gospels. Philip is always paired with Bartholomew. Um, you know people have different names as you see here Peter's got three one in Aramaic one in Greek and one in Hebrew Um, Simon and and Cephas and and Peter and so this is probably this and so um, uh, he says to Nathaniel you'll see more greater things than these Uh, and, and you see Nathaniel later in the Gospel of John as well he's one of the people when Jesus eats fish on the shore after his resurrection that kind of thing and so this is likely. If Nathaniel's not Bartholomew, that's fine, but Nathaniel's certainly somebody who's still around after the resurrection with Jesus' disciples, uh, with this group. But anyway, this is an invitation. Jesus says, essentially to Nathaniel, "Not only did I see you, and you're amazed now; you've declared me the Son of God and the King of Israel, but you'll see more. Come, come, you'll see more. Just be around me." Okay, um, so. Despite the naysayers and the persecution you may face for doing so, invite others to see Jesus as their king. That's what's gone on in this passage. Person after person after person has invited somebody else to come and see. Judge for yourself. Be around. Make your own decision. Watch. See. Evaluate. So, A here's the good news and this is this is greatly you know and this was i was really refreshed as i am really every week I, i love being a pastor because i study passages and i'm learning stuff every week and you know how it is you read the same passage of scripture and you learn stuff that you didn't know before right it's just like you don't listen to your favorite song and say oh i've heard that before and turn it off (laughs) <laughs> you keep listening, you hear new stuff, and you become more amazed. Uh, but um, uh, here's, here's why I was relieved. A, you don't have to convince. When you talk to somebody for whom Jesus is not their king, somebody who has not bowed their knee to the king of kings and said, Jesus, I am yours, I submit, I want to be a citizen of your kingdom I want to be in the kingdom of light and no longer in the kingdom of the evil one, the kingdom of darkness. I want to submit to you, I believe you, Jesus' king, will protect me now and in all eternity. And I know there's nothing better for me than to stand at final judgment and say, Jesus is my king and that he will protect me. He will grant me amnesty. He will grant me a pardon at final judgment. That's what a king does, like our president. You can grant a pardon. And that's what Jesus does at final judgment. He says, this one, for all who believe in him, he says, this one I pardon because I bore his sins on the cross. And we go on to the new heavens and new earth. So we don't have to convince. You see anyone convincing anyone of anything here? Maybe Jesus a little bit with Nathaniel. But everybody else, they just... just, Say, hey, come and see. So you don't have to convince. Um, I think that's the big thing that keeps us from talking to other people about Jesus. We think we need to convince. And all these people, all through chapter one, they're not convincing. They're saying, come and see. They're giving an invitation. Come and see. B, Furthermore, to emphasize, you don't have to have the person convinced on the spot. Don't think that evangelism is convincing someone on the spot and having to walk away from that initial, hey, I believe in Jesus, you should too, or whatever you say, Uh, or I'm a Christian, whatever you say. You don't have to walk away from that with that person convinced and saying, where can I be baptized? For that interchange to be successful. You know what a successful interchange was? John the Baptist saying, Look, the Lamb of God. Period. And these disciples follow. And then they come and see, and they see Jesus. And Andrew goes and tells Simon Peter, He says, Look, we found the Messiah. But Peter's not convinced, so he just brings Peter with them. Come and see. <coughs> And Jesus goes to Philip, and he doesn't, he doesn't convince Philip on the spot. He doesn't prove to him. He just says, Philip, come and see. And then Philip comes and sees. And, and Philip goes out to Nathanael, and he says, come see Jesus of Nazareth. I think Moses wrote about, this is the one Moses wrote about, and that the prophets wrote about. Come and see, Philip says um, to Nathanael. And then Jesus finally even says to Nathanael, even though Nathanael's expressed the clearest picture of, of, of faith, perhaps you're the son of God, the king of Israel. I think that almost tops if you were grading it, uh, what Andrew said to Simon uh, Peter. Uh, but, but Jesus says there, you know, come, Jesus says, you'll see more. You'll see greater things than this. So you don't have to convince on the spot. Jesus is content. All these disciples that become big deals, and we still know their names today. They, all these people who come, become big deals are content to leave the conversation with this. You should really come and see what Jesus is about. You should evaluate this for yourself. They're content, period. They leave it at that. So verse 39 Um so, uh, sorry, I'll fill out your blanks for you. And then we'll look at verse 39. So you don't have to have the person convinced on the spot. Even Jesus only rarely, rarely does this. Jesus could do this every time, but he only rarely does this. Look through the Gospels. You know, he just sees Levi in the tax collecting booth, Matthew. and There's another double name there, Levi, Matthew. And, and he says, come, follow me. And Levi leaves his tax collecting booth and starts following Jesus. But Jesus rarely does this, convinces someone on the spot. Largely, he simply invites. That's your blank. He simply invites. Verse 39, Jesus says to John and Andrew, come and you will see. And he lets them spend the whole day with them so they can come and see not just where he's staying, but come and see him. That's the the point. Um, verse 43, Jesus doesn't convince Philip on the spot. Rather, he says, follow me, follow me. Um, this follow me, Jesus says, 10 different times we see uh, in the Gospels. Um, and it's not a, an invitation to go through persecution and die for me. It's just simply a follow me. And some people don't. The rich young ruler doesn't. Okay? Okay. Uh, but this is what Jesus does, and he does it over and over. Ten times in the Gospels, we see this. Jesus just telling someone, follow me. In essence, come and see uh, these uh, invitations Jesus gives. Now, see, see. Uh, when you're inviting, perhaps you express your own faith in Jesus. So, something, something short. Uh, we, see, uh, we see here, uh, what is John convinced of? Well, he's convinced of, verse 34, that Jesus is the Son of God. He's convinced of that Jesus is the Lamb of God. So he expresses that to his disciples. Um, We uh, we see that uh, Andrew uh, says to to Peter, uh, we have found the Messiah, the Christ. So there's a brief testimony. But look how brief that is. He's not going into arguments and here's why you should believe too and all this stuff. It's not complicated. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's you know. And what does that even mean when we say that to someone today? They don't know. But you've heard that term, Messiah. well I think Jesus is that? Come and see. You don't have to explain it to them. You don't have to convince them of it uh, on the on the spot. Um, verse forty five, Philip to Nathaniel, we found the one about whom Moses wrote in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote. Okay, not really any substance of content there. He's just saying, Moses and the prophets talked about Jesus. So come and see. That's not an argument proving that Moses and the prophets spoke about Jesus. It's just saying that he believed that. That's all. So perhaps we express our own faith in Jesus. I suggest to you something like this. It's if you call my phone, you'll hear it in the voicemail. If you get an email from me, you'll see it at the bottom tag. Jesus is God and he forgives sins. I mean, those are John's big points. Jesus is God, and He forgives sins. And that just, you know, it doesn't convey. It doesn't convince anybody, but it gets that little truth out there, and, and that gives them the ability to say to you, "Yeah, you said Jesus is God, and He forgives sins. Tell me about that," or, or even just, "Do you really think He's God?" You know, and 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 uh, but just something small out there. You know, it's not a. Uh, Not all I could say about Jesus. (laughs) Just Jesus is God and he forgives sins. Anything out there. I'm a Christian. That's good. That tells the person there are people who believe Jesus is something religious. Um, Yeah, I believe Jesus is God. There we go. That's something. Um, Just anything out there about Jesus. I go to church on Sundays. That's good. And it gets that out in front of in front of somebody. So perhaps you express your own faith in Jesus. And that's what we see in verses 36, 41 and 45. Brief expressions of faith, what the person believes about Jesus. But these are not complicated, long arguments that make the person they're talking to convinced. Right. Not even Nathaniel, who makes the statement, is convinced when he arrives. He makes his statement of faith after he's seen Jesus, as does everybody else. They make their statement after they've been around Jesus for some time. So number one, uh, note, uh, as you express your own faith in Jesus, it's strong. That's a strong thing for you to do. You may not think that's a strong thing to do, but it's strong. And here's why. Because going on in your C1 there. It's strong because a statement to another of what you believe can't be refuted. If I say pizza is my favorite food, you can't refute that. That's my opinion. Pizza is my favorite food. It's also my opinion. Jesus is the son of God, and you will see him one day. And you will have to give an account to him one day. That's my opinion. No one can refute that that's my opinion. You see the difference there? Uh, when I was in seminary, uh, we had a, a guy there in the faculty who had taught philosophy uh, for 27 years. He was chair of a philosophy department at a secular university. And then in his retirement, he came and taught at the seminary. And so he was all into logical argument and all this kind of thing. And I learned... You know, Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and hedonism and, and all these various things from him. We had a class called uh, um, um, Philosophy and Christian Thought, those two things. And he made this point giving your testimony that you are a Christian, I'm a Christian, that's a very strong thing to do evangelistically because it can't be refuted logically it can't be refuted the person can't say you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God you say well yes I do I mean you can say whatever you want but you haven't you haven't refuted that in fact I I believe that I counter that pizza is my favorite food Betsy is my wife you can't counter that my yeah I said that right um <laughs> you you can't counter that and so you've given them a true statement and they just have to live with that john believes jesus is the son of god and salvation is only through him and anyone who doesn't believe in jesus if i tell him this much anybody i believe that jesus has forgiven my sins and he's the only one who can forgive my sins I've just they can't they can't refute that that's what I believe they can disagree with what I believe but they can't refute that I believe it okay so that's just a little little thing but it's a strong thing to do because a statement of another person of what you believe can't be refuted um, number two um, when you express your own faith it accomplishes much when you express your own faith like these people I'm rem- Just to remind you, these people are just expressing what they believe. I believe he's the Messiah. I believe he's the one Moses talked about. I believe he's the one the prophets talked about. Um, I believe he's the Lamb of God. I believe he's the Son of God. That's what they've they've given a testimony of their own faith. what What their opinion is about Jesus. When you give your opinion about Jesus, it accomplishes much. Because when you state what you believe about Jesus, you communicate, that's your blank, You communicate some truth about the gospel. See, you've snuck in gospel truth on them by stating what you believe. When I say, I believe Jesus is the one who created all things, I believe Jesus is God. That's a gospel truth. That's part of the gospel. That God has come, you know, the the whole gospel, we might say God has come to earth. Uh, The second person of the Trinity has come to earth to save us from our sins. But when I communicate to somebody my testimony, I communicate to them some truth, some truth portion of the gospel. And so I've evangelized there just by stating what I believe. See, we tend to think of evangelism as this is what you should believe and I'm going to prove it to you and you have to prove it to you or I'm going to start kind of getting angry. (laughs) Right? Uh, but, But we don't have to do that. Um, we can state what we believe, and we get the gospel. We get the gospel truth out there. We communicate some truth of the gospel, such as when you say, "I believe Jesus is here." Are your blanks. I believe Jesus is God, and that He forgives sins. See, they've just heard the gospel there. We just sneak it in there by just stating what we believe, and, and they say, "Are you saying I have to believe that?" I say, no, I didn't say that. I hope you would because I believe this is true that Jesus forgives sins and if you're like me you've sinned and I'd love for you to get your sins forgiven too right but but I can't go into your soul and make you believe something you know that I know that um So it accomplishes much because we get the gospel out there. We communicate some truth of the gospel out there. um, Like when we say something, Jesus, God, and forgive sins or whatever we say. Again, I go to church. Can't be there. Can't be there for that meeting because I go to church on Sunday morning. Oh, I'm sorry, I've got a Bible study that night or something like that. A Christian can say that. I used to tell my Bible study guys at Indiana University, when you're deciding on a study group time and someone says, how about Wednesday at seven? That's our Bible study time. Say, I can't make it then. (laughs) I've got a Bible study. And you know what they'll say? They'll say, okay, how about Thursday? (laughs) It's really easy. Just, you know, when someone tries to over schedule something that you're doing use that as an opportunity just to say no i can't do it then i've got i've got worship. i go to worship then well can't you miss that no i can't that's the most important part of my week see how much you've communicated to that person you know just in testifying about yourself Um, so it accomplishes much you get gospel truth out there and then number three why talking about your own faith in Jesus? Just even briefly a sentence. I'm a Christian. I go to church. I believe, I believe in Jesus. Something like that. It can be effective too. So we say it's strong. Um, it accomplishes much. But it can be effective, especially in our age, in our day, in the United States in 2023. It can be effective, especially in our age, because it's a way to communicate the truth of the gospel truth of the gospel in a soft non-demanding non-exacting way you see we're not telling people you know you need to believe this we're not telling people you're wrong right um now if someone tells me i'm wrong you know if someone if you're doing something and someone tells you you're wrong guess what the bible tells you you should do consider that you're wrong not about jesus but, but if you're, you know, about to touch a, a nine volt battery to your tongue, right, Lily? Uh, you know, someone says, You shouldn't do that. Um, Solomon says, hey, listen. Listen and evaluate. Listen and evaluate. Uh, but it can be effective. It's a soft, non-demanding way when we share, I believe Jesus is God. We're not telling people you have to. We're not telling people I hate anyone who doesn't. Right? We're just saying what we believe. This is a very soft way of communicating gospel truth. We're not demanding that they believe the same thing we believe. If They say, well, you do you want me to believe this? We say, I'd love for you to. But I'm not demanding it. Of you. I hate you. I don't control your will. And I'm going to be just as nice to you, maybe even more nice right now, because I'd love for you to believe this. But, but that's really up to you. You know, we're all, we're all free, you know, to believe what we want to believe. And God himself doesn't make somebody believe something. He doesn't force. He does not violate, to use the language of the Westminster Confession, he does not violate the will of the creature. Okay, um, So it can be effective. Uh, it brings out the gospel in a soft, non-demanding way. That is, your next sentence there, it doesn't require It doesn't require or demand the person agree to or believe the same. Now, we'd love for them to believe the same. We pray for them to believe the same. But we're not doing that in that interchange. Notice that's not being done here either in these interchanges in John chapter 1. They're not saying you have to believe this. They're just presenting what they believe and saying, come and see." I believe this. I've seen enough. And this, this is my conclusion. You come and see if you come to the same conclusion. So D, you can just simply say, come and see. Think of your evangelism more in that way. Because John is doing his all out here to show us person after person. He's not showing us Philip and Andrew and Simon Peter and John and Nathaniel. All with these great evangelistic presentations that, that people that cause people to bow down like Thomas when he sees the resurrected Jesus and says, "My Lord and my God. you know we kind of think of that about our, our evangelism that someone has to you know hear what we say and then bow down and close their eyes and cry out to Jesus, My Lord and my God, we're not required to do that with people. Um, we say like even Jesus says, Come, Come and see. So we say, come and see. Uh, D1 there. It's an invitation. Okay? It's an invitation. Uh, that's all it is. Number two. It's not, it's not an airtight, logical, irrefutable case that you've made that leaves your friend no choice but to believe lest he be proven an irrational idiot. Okay? Okay? It's not what this is okay not what this is uh, it's we're not making airtight logical irrefutable cases um, we could when we grow in our faith you know we could get better and better at that but you know I've been you know this is sermon 1117 or something like that that's a that's a, that's a lot of teaching and you know I teach You know i I teach sunday school that's a lot of teaching and i was doing ministry before that six years in campus ministry three years uh doing bible studies as a college student that's a lot of teaching and still today if someone said give me an irrefutable argument of you know why i should believe in jesus that would make me nervous okay so but i'm not required to do that you're not required to do that to present an irrefutable case That proves that you must believe this or be proven an idiot, an illogical person. You don't have to do that. And number three, again, it's just an invitation. Get the theme here. It's just an invitation. Yet it gives, and here's an important thing. It gives God something to work with. It gives God something to work with. You're putting a little burr in the saddle, so to speak. You're you're, you're presenting something that then someone has to live with. I did well in school and I go back to high school reunions and they have to deal with the fact I'm a pastor. John could have done this and that and this other thing and that. And he was headed toward being an orthodontist and he completed his pre-dental curriculum. He took physics and he took chemistry and he passed organic and all this stuff. And he's a pastor and I love that. I love going back to my high school reunions and they say, So, what are you doing? Oh, I pastor a small church. And they've got to deal with that. Why would someone throw away their life? Why would someone take a, a job that's derided when that wasn't his only option? When he could have done other things. See, we just, when we, and that's, that's a testimony. I'm a pastor why are you doing that and i say well i believe jesus is god and he forgives sins you know we just we just put these little truth nuggets out there by just saying what we believe there but then god has something to work with you know i you know i was talking to somebody that i hadn't been in contact with since some, some time in college and and they they said and it was a person from my hometown i went to the same school and and the person said does everyone know you're a pastor? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I think, you know, most of, we've had some pretty successful class reunions. I say, I think a lot, of, most people do, you know, that are my, my high school class uh, uh, now. But we give something God, we give God something to work with toward, here's the rest of that sentence, toward a person's conversion. And, and it doesn't need, you know, I was a clean cut kid I was a moral kid, didn't do drugs, didn't drink, wasn't having, uh, wasn't having sex outside of marriage, any of that kind of thing. And everybody kind of knew that, you know, in college and in high school. So you don't have to have this terrible testimony, but if you do, you know, that sure, that helps too. And now, now they're a Christian. They got to deal with that. Uh, but, you know, some, someone who's, you know, more of the straight and narrow kind of, kind of life uh, that, that I had before becoming a Christian still... You know, if you've had a straight and narrow life, you have a lot of options in life. You haven't made people mad if you've studied in school. You know, all those kind of things are open to you. So you, you, um, hello, (laughs) Um, that uh, uh, we give something God God to work with um, toward that person's conversion. Uh, And so that's what all these people are doing. Verse 39, 47, 49 um we see all this stuff there for as soon as you open your mouth with an invitation god can be, pretend, begin to work like like cole uh bo's bo's roommate you know cole goes out to church and so lo and behold cole says huh i think i'll go to church this week even though he said i don't know about that presbyterian thing wouldn't come with bo so he went somewhere else but still you see how that works Bo's coming to church week after week. Bo's meeting, you know, meeting with me occasionally. Bo's reading scripture. This Bo's talk. Bo's life. That kind of thing gets a burr under Cole's burr under Cole's saddle, and he starts to think God has something to work with toward Cole's conversion. Um, and so when you when you say something to somebody about your own faith. God can begin to work. When you invite someone to come and see Jesus, God can begin to work. Whether that person says, nope, I don't do religion. Still, they've got to deal with that. They've got to deal with they had an abrupt, unthinking answer to your invitation to come and see Jesus, okay? And God can work with that. The person can say, why is it that I'm so against religion? Why is it that this person I like who just invite if he had said let's go get pizza, I would have said yes. Why did I, I say no so fast to go into church with him? See, God is something to work with when we give our testimony. Um, and, and even when you ask or, or you email somebody, there's non-confrontational. You know, you email somebody. You know, somebody can always claim, oh, I didn't get it. Right? Uh but the person has to deal with: Will I accept? Will I go? What do I say if he asks me about it? Again, what will I say if he invites me again to church? What will I do? What will he do if he invites me again? Hey, I, you know, I read the scriptures every you know night, and you know, if you want, you know, ever do that, we can do that. Uh, probably not if you're a guy; he'd think that was weird. But um, <laughs> okay. these guys don't work that way. Um, but. Uh, You know, even when the person says no, he says, why was that? Why did I say no? So just the invitation gives God something to work with. It's like putting a a log in the fireplace with some newspaper under it. Um, You just put it there. You just put it there. And the person doesn't have to strike the match. But they see there's a log with some newspaper under it. um, And that that's there that they can light up. If they start to get cold, they have a choice there. Uh, they could be anti-Log, an anti-Logite. Um, but, um, but we put that choice there. Uh, but really, really, the, the, the fire is God's job. Getting the person to come, uh, getting the person to believe that fire is a thing, that is, exists, even though they don't see it right then. They just see its log and in the newspaper. Um, that's God's job, and that's what we that's what we looked at um, this morning. You know those those verses five five twenty one. Jesus says, "He gives life. He's the giver of life. You don't have to give a person that life." For, as Jesus says, "The Spirit gives life," uh, John six sixty three. Um, the flesh profits nothing. We offer words of flesh, but the spirit can come along and bring faith, bring faith to that person. So number four, um, say, to say it in a different way, you or you can write in their eye. I, I don't have to convert them. You don't have to convert them. Um, these uh, verses 36, 39, 41, 42, 43, 45, 46. 46. Um, which is John the Baptist, Andrew, and Philip there, are just invitations to come and see Jesus. They are not Andrew or Philip or, or converting somebody. They're just giving invitations. Um, so uh, what are we doing? What are we doing? Um, number, number five, you can bring them and let others do the talking. Okay, you can invite, and they say, okay, I'm up for that and you can say well you know can you make it yourself you want me to come by and pick you up i can pick you up then we can walk in together you know whatever just just bring them in but the advantage of this is then doubly you don't have to come up with the arguments. you can let somebody experience christian fellowship all these people who are nice to them and glad that they're there right if you're in the right church that's doing what jesus said you know making you know people welcoming people in and and saying, hey, we're glad you're, glad you're here, and seeing how people interact with each other. And, and so they see, boy, that's a testimony, isn't it? This is different. This is not how my family talks when we get together for big, you know, Thanksgiving. <laughs> They're nonbelievers, especially. Uh, this is not how people talk to each other at work. These people genuinely love each other. That's, that's evidence that God is alive and they changed people. And they get to come, and you, you bring them along, you invite them, and they come. They get to hear someone else talk about Jesus and, and be part of that irrefutable case along the way. But even then, there's no there's no time limit. There's no speed required in that, uh, right? You know, it's like, you know, Dakota. You know, the, Jim and Christina bring them, and, and a year later, you know, he says from the back of the car, I think I believe all this stuff, Um and, and, and you know that's a year you know just coming and seeing that's all i did come and see you're living with us you're gonna come with us and so he came and he saw and, and jim and christine would say hey what are you thinking about this uh, and so here he is you know and he leads children's worship and, and and he loves doing that thanks for doing that dakota i say to him after he finishes there he said oh my pleasure he said i love doing this you know, and, and he's engaged and, and alive spiritually. And that was just from come and see. Okay. Uh, and so somebody comes and sees and they don't have to be convinced the first time. You know, it's just come and see. It's relaxed. It's, it's no pressure. If God is going to draw this person to faith, he's going to do it. Jesus in John six thirty seven says, all the father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And here's the will of him who sent me. Of all, those he, of all that he gives me, I will raise them up on the last day. So you're, you're not in a hurry. Not in a hurry. A person can come in and spend three years listening to this stuff. You know, and you know it with if you're a parent. You know it with your own kids. You know your life. You know you 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 know it. You thought you know many of you thought you were you know we've got um, two officers I can think of right now in our church that thought I was a Christian, you know, and then I heard the gospel again and I realized oh I wasn't a Christian, (laughs) and and then they became that. But that's part of the come and see process, and so be comfortable with that. Just inviting people inviting people and it's also not your responsibility that they say yes and you can't handcuff them as much as you'd want to and bring them along or like uh Raylan givens you know we saw him last night he handcuffed a guy that he needed information uh from uh, up up in the up in the hills to his car and it was an older guy and the guy was standing next to his car and he handcuffed the guy to his car and then he started in his car and the guy had to run alongside the car and, and, and uh, this is from the show, um, Justified. Yeah, as a, he's a U.S. Marshal. And he said, I don't believe you. That's not all the truth. And he kept going. <laughs> so the guy finally gave him, we can't do that. We don't have a civil authority. And so if you invite somebody and they don't come, don't sweat. Don't sweat. Keep praying for them. If opportunity comes again, you know, invite them again. Uh, but you don't have to convert them. Number five. You can bring them and let others do the talking, and that's what that's what's going on here. John the Baptist says, the Lamb of God, look. And they go and they hear Jesus do the talking for a day. Right? And then they go and, and Andrew goes and he has Peter come. And then Peter, you know, hears and, and and believes and has this interaction with Jesus, where Jesus talks to him. And then Jesus talks to Philip, and Philip hears about jesus and, and philip then having come and seen he believes and so he goes out and so this is just you know what we're seeing over and over again from john so you can bring them let others do the talking as these people do in john chapter one and then number six you can invite someone to come and see jesus by inviting them to the church that's the easy way um, we used to criticize this when we were in crew or campus crusade as students and and staff, you know, that we don't want to share church. We want to share Jesus. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, it's, we can mention uh, Jesus. We can mention church. God can use anything, right? And, and inviting someone to come and see, you know, if somebody, you know, what the thief on the cross got taken down from the cross, you know, how much does he know about Jesus right then? Right, right, Bob? <laughs> he has virtually nothing, but he can say, come and see. Okay? and that's okay. God can use that. God can use that. So six A, at church your invitee can hear Jesus speak as he or she hears the scriptures, read, preached, prayed, and talked about, for the scriptures are the voice of Jesus today. I'll repeat that so you can get all your blanks if you're doing that. At church your invitee can hear Jesus speak as he or she hears the scriptures, the scriptures read, preached and prayed, and talked about, for the scriptures are the voice of Jesus today. And that was our preparing for the hearing of God's word. God in old times talked about through prophets and visions, various ways, but now he's talking to us in his son. So when we read the Bible, we hear the voice of, hear the voice of Jesus, so to speak, not audibly, but these are words Jesus invented. Uh, B, um, two things. Um, uh, First thing, God's uh, gathered people. When you invite somebody and they come in, um, they come into the church. God's gathered people, and second thing, the teaching and preaching of the good news of the kingdom of God at church. So, God's gathered people, that experience, and the preaching and teaching of the good news of the kingdom of God at church make church a place where those who don't know Jesus can hear of Jesus and come to believe in him. Okay, so it's, a, it's a great environment. Come and see. And so they can experience God's people, experience God's word being talked about, see people who actually believe God's word and what it says about Jesus. They can experience this. Oh, there are people who actually believe this. Seeing that becomes a possibility in their mind. See, out in the secular world, they may not see that. They may not know that's true. But then they hear truth from God's word and they say, you know, that's really true. Um and they began to they began to consider it um so they might come to believe they might come to believe in him now number two number two um in contrast um and to my and your relief in the contrast to this idea that we have to convert people remember that god is the one who converts okay that's the thing god converts god converts not us um, this is a big point in the Gospel of John. One thing John is doing is explaining to Jewish Christians why the rest of the Jews haven't believed, why the 85% of Jewish people in the first century didn't believe. I don't have an official stat on that, but from the book of Acts, it, look, it appears to be so. Okay? Something like the 85%, let's just call it that. John's explaining to them why they haven't believed, and we talked about that two weeks ago, I think it was, two weeks ago, um, because God is the one who has to convert. God is the one that gives life. God gives eyes to see. God gives ears to hear. And you don't have the power to do that. I don't have the power to do that. God converts. Big theme in John. So look at, you're in chapter 1. Look at verse 13. Talking about as many as received him in verse 12, but as many as received him to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Well, how did they believe in his name? Verse 13 answers that question, how they believed children born not of natural descent, that is, they didn't believe because their parents believed, and so when they were born physically, they automatically believed. Children born not of natural descent. Um, uh, not, uh, uh, sorry, I lost my place, no, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. God causes spiritual birth. God converts, okay? So John starts with that in, in chapter 1, verse 13. Likewise, um, Verse 33, John the Baptist says that it is Jesus who baptizes with the Holy Spirit to give spiritual life, not you. So verse 33, uh, Jesus is the one he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. You can't do that. I can't do that. Ba- can, I'm a pastor, so I can baptize with water, but I can't baptize with the Holy Spirit. That's something God has to do. God brings the conversion through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which Peter calls, you know, what happened to the Gentiles who were converted and, and uh, acts 10 and acts 11 peter calls that conversion the baptism of the holy spirit okay um john 3 3 uh bob read for us jesus told nicodemus i tell you the truth no one can see the kingdom of god unless he is born again okay and so that's and then jesus explains what he means By born again. Nicodemus thinks, go back into your mother's womb physically and be born again. How is that possible? Jesus explains in verse 5 of chapter 3 I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. So it's a, a birth by the Spirit of God. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You don't have to convert, the Spirit gives birth. Jesus said, you should not be surprised by my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So realize that when you invite someone, you don't have to convert them. You don't have to be the one that gives them the the impetus or causes their will to change and say, okay, I'll go. I'll take up this invitation. That's the Spirit of God at work. Um, So no one... Uh, for no one to for someone sorry for someone to see the kingdom of god he has to be blown upon by the holy spirit john 5 21 says this for just as the father raises the dead and gives them life even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it not you the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it john six forty four. jesus says no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him so it's the father who draws a person by his spirit um, by the agency uh, of his spirit that brings someone to Jesus and lastly Jesus teaches it's not you who gives life to a spiritually dead friend of yours uh, or uh, but it is John's uh, but it is the Spirit of God who does John 663 Jesus says it's the spirit Gives life. The flesh profits nothing. So, this is a big point in John. God does the work of converting his soul, of bringing life and faith to an unbeliever. That's not your work. Bringing life and faith is not your work. Um, That's an internal thing. You can't go into their soul and change them. Um, In our uh, confessing our faith this morning, you saw what is effectual calling. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning too. That's God's work of conversion. That's what God does in converting a person. So we, we read that there and, um, on the front page. Effectual calling is the work of God's spirit, whereby he convinces a person of his sin and misery, whereby he enlightens the person's mind and the knowledge of Christ, and where he, the spirit of God, renews the person's will, persuading and enabling that person to embrace Jesus Christ, who's being freely offered to him in the gospel. Okay, so here's your next sentence there under two. We just, guess what the word is? Invite. We just invite. Um, We invite, we say, as Jesus and Philip did, come and see. We just say, we just invite. We say, come and see. I believe all this stuff is true. I believe the Bible's true. They say, you're crazy. Say, come and see. I dare you. (laughs) (laughs) Come and see. I used to think this stuff had errors in it too. I don't think so anymore. It's not because I'm brainwashed. It's because I'm convinced of its truth. Come and see. You don't have to, but come and see. So summary, Um, you can be relieved (laughs) as I am. God's not responsible. He's not holding me responsible for converting the souls of my next door neighbors to my right and to my left as I walk out my front door. I'm not responsible for their hearts changing. I'm not responsible for them having spiritual eyes. But I am responsible to invite them to somehow declare I believe in Jesus, to make it known to them these these things, to give them that invitation to put out some uh, testimony of my own faith in Jesus. So here's the summary. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king God sent for his people. And he is your king. Or You can write in there, he's my king. Um, You can't convert. You can't convert your non-believing friends to believe this. Conversion is God's job. So you can't convert your non-believing friends to believe it's you do, that Jesus is the King, the Son of God, like Nathaniel said. God's job is conversion, not ours. Um, so what, do, uh, what, what you do as a Christian is invite others to come and see. That's what we do. That's what we're called to do, to invite others like, like uh, John the Baptist did, um, like Andrew did, uh, like Philip did with Nathaniel, we're we're called to invite others to come to come and see him and if they do they may end up believing they may end up believing